Thanks so much, Treg. Good morning, everybody. Uh, nice to see you. Nice to see some familiar faces and obviously meet some new faces. That is true. Tam did grow up in this church. This is kind of childhood church for her. So I don't know how you're feeling. Is it a bit surreal? Like it's, there's already some stories that have been told um, that we might have to share at some point. But it's, it's amazing to be here. Um, thank you so much to the team for welcoming us and Thank you for all of you for being here and being receptive. That is the hope, at least, is that you are receptive. Um, Trig mentioned that we have been on a, a little bit of a journey as to our life, and yes, I am from the South Coast. Some say the better coast, <laughs> but, you know, um, listen, if you're a surfer, it's definitely the better coast. I'm just putting that out there, which I am, so I have an affinity towards the coast, um, but Tam grew up kind of as the crow flies just across the way on a farm over there. And we met in London. We knew of each other. And I spent over a, a decade, it would have been about 11 years, in being a part of a church called Hillsong Church. And we were on the pastoral team and we oversaw different campuses and congregations in our time in the UK and in Europe. And then we had the privilege to spend some time in Australia. So our kids, I've got two kids, my daughter here, Sienna, she's 12, and my son, Kewan, he's 10. They grew up in Australia, and so they support the Wallabies. <laughs> no, they, they don't really, I don't know if they do or don't, but um, yeah, <laughs> just create a bit of tension in the, in the morning. Um, but you know, they kind of are more Aussie than anything, really. But, you know, we, we felt to come back to South Africa because we had a genuine sense that there was something of significance for us to be a part of. And it's been interesting to see how that's unfolded and, and our role to play in what that could look like. It isn't necessarily settled as yet, but yes, we did start a church and I was just sharing with the team. We started what is called co-church, C-O, church, um, about a month, officially, we had been gathering with some people for about 12 months, and then we, what would the term be used, launched a church on the 9th of February, 2020, and then I think on the 16th of March, we all went into our national lockdown. And so we've got a couple of people that are a part of that and connected to that, which is a rarity for us as co-church because we lost our venue during that time. We haven't been able to secure another space to meet in regularly. And so we've been doing anything and everything that we can. And so we put a little message out to say to some, come. So it's nice to see some of those faces with us. Um, you know, we believe wholeheartedly in the local church. It definitely has played such an instrumental role in seeing my life come to faith and, and that being changed in that journey as well. And we hold true to the belief that the church is God's plan. Um, it is his vehicle. It's his body through which he wants to bring his grace and his loving kindness and his mercy into the world. And, you know, being here this morning in a facility and we would know that the church is not a building. And you've probably heard that time and time again, but it's a good thing to remind ourselves of. But in saying that, it's pretty special that we can gather in a place that a hundred years ago, there were people gathering under that same name, that name that we celebrate, that name that brings about salvation, that name that reconciles and brings unity. 
that name Jesus. And we should never negate the, the journeys of faith that have taken place in this place. And I'm sure there's been highs and lows and ups and downs. But all through that, God is faithful. And in those journeys of faith, we would know that there are times of waiting. And I love what we're saying, by the way. And well done to you guys. I mean, two of you kind of leading us it was awesome. And so we're so appreciative of that. But there are times of, of waiting. And in those times of waiting, we find significance. And it's you know, such a unique time in history, is it not? Uh, I, I try not to think about it too much, to be honest, because I feel like I, I go a little bit crazy. Um, but there is so many things going on, but at the same time, like not much going on. It's that weird contradiction of the time in which we find ourselves known as this pandemic. Um, but I would imagine there have been a lot of people who have felt like they've been waiting. There, there, is, a, there is this generic sense of waiting. We have hopes and dreams. We had initiatives. There were things that we were starting, uh, creating, moving into, and life was going on as it was. And then all of a sudden, we have this once-in-a-generation situation occur, and now we find ourselves navigating the days in which we live. And there is green shoots of hope, and then there's rumors of that hope being dismantled, and then there's starts and stops. And, and so we can find ourselves in that period of waiting. Now, I don't know how many of you would consider waiting to be something that is positive. Um, if you know, we go to our local restaurant, and we order our meal, and we wait, and we expect a little bit of a wait, and then uh, you know, the waiter comes up to us and says, I'm so sorry, but your meal is being prepared. Could you wait another 45 minutes? Um, you know, you've boarded the airplane, which I don't think many of us are doing at this time, even driving down from Kloof this morning. It was amazing to see an airplane in flight, but you get on board and everything's sorted out. And the next thing, the announcement comes on, ladies and gentlemen, there is a slight delay. Would you mind waiting another 30 minutes? I don't know how many of us actually start to see those periods of waiting as positives because the way in which we live, particularly in Western society, is always about progress. It is always about movement forward. It is always about the next thing. It is always, always, always. And so we fall into this pattern whereby we always have to be doing something, even if it's the perception that we are busy. That's kind of good enough for us. But there is significance in the waiting. There is character development in the waiting. There is meeting with God in the waiting. There is significance in the waiting. How many of us have asked the question, when are we going to go back to normal? Like if we could just go back to how things were. And, and I love the, the kind of overarching series title, that Back to the Future, and um, our kids had the privilege of watching Back to the Future, and for some reason they absolutely loved it because it was a favorite of mine growing up as a kid. Now, can you believe it? They also love the movies Back to the Future. Um, and it's that kind of play on words, right? There's, there's back, which is tending to look into the past, and then there's future, which is to be mindful of what tomorrow is. We have a genuine sense that whatever could be in our tomorrow is going to come about in a way of us actually looking back at what was. And to going back to what was to ensure that as we navigate what tomorrow looks like, 
We're doing it from the right place with the right rhythms and the right patterns, particularly in following Jesus. And so if we want to look at going back to normal, we have to ask the question, what does normal look like? And was normal actually that good? It's amazing when you look at the journey of the people of God from the book of Genesis and into the book of Exodus, how the people of God had found themselves being oppressed for about 430 years. They were in the nation of Egypt and they were essentially slaves. They were in forced labor. They lived in an oppressive state and they cry out to God. They have this desire for liberty, for something new and God works on their behalf through a person called Moses and then Moses crazily enough, leads an entire nation of people out of Egypt into a place of promise and freedom, okay? But while they were waiting, while they were on the way in a time known as the wilderness time, do you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to go back to normal, even if that meant going back to slavery, and so we have to appreciate that when we have these desires to go back to something, what we are going back to is the right thing, and it is a good thing. I know that for many of us, that first initial period when everything locked down, we were in our houses, we were running up and down our driveway, or we were doing circles in our lounge, and we started baking for the first time because we'd never baked before, or we were doing something that we'd never done before. You know, that awesome time where we thought like this was a novelty, and this is going to be three weeks to flatten the curve, you know, all that kind of language. I know that in that time, there was a real sense of assessment around life, and we all thought to ourselves, how good is it to pause and to actually realign to things that are really of significance to us? But as time goes on, as the wheels start moving again, as we start moving in the process, have we actually gone back to a desired normal, which is actually not that healthy? And so it's good that we have the opportunity to go back in the Bible, go back in the Word of God and actually look at rhythms and patterns that would allow us to live in such a way that finds ourselves back in a normal, but a normal that is of the kingdom of God, a normal that is of one that is Jesus-centric, a normal that is of one where our lives live beyond ourselves and there is an impact in and through every one of our journeys. Going back to normal. We're going to look at the book of Acts, as has been mentioned, because this is a series about Acts. And so I believe this is week six, right? So this is kind of bringing this book of Acts to a close. Um, not the book of Acts, series about the book of Acts to a close. And we're going to go to Acts chapter eight. Um, before we get there, let me just kind of give it a little bit of context what we would find in the book of Acts, and really it's titled the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles, okay? It was essentially a depiction of the people of God, those that had chosen to receive, 
to believe in Jesus, not just being a good teacher, not just being somebody who was wise, not just somebody who did a few good things. They came to the conclusion that Jesus was in fact their personal Lord and Savior. And they received what would be the greatest gift of all time, and that is the gift of salvation to be rescued, to be brought into a life-giving relationship with the creator of life himself, to have been forgiven, given a clean start, and therefore empowered to live a life that is one of purpose and of meaning, and to have our eternity secured. I mean, that is a good thing to be a part of. And so these early followers of Jesus as their savior, they had received the greatest gift that God could give to all of mankind, and that is the relationship with Jesus, but then also the gift of what is known as Holy Spirit, as God's Spirit there with them and for them and walking out this journey in their lives. And there was something significant taking place. It really set about what you and I sit and are a part of today, which is crazy to think of. There was a, a song that we sang this morning and it used the word echo. And, and I love that word because it talks of, of one sound reverberating beyond itself. It's kind of similar to like a ripple. If you throw a stone into a lake, there begins a small imprint, but from that it goes so wide. And what we would be sitting in today, known as the church, really began in the Acts of the Apostles. In other words, them living a life where there were actions taking place that represented who God is and the expression of His divinity on earth. In Acts chapter 7, just before we get to Acts chapter 8, we have this incredible scenario where a person by the name of Stephen really is called before the legal council of the time, the religious legal council, the same council that Jesus would have stood before who accused Jesus of blasphemy to the point where Jesus, because of said blasphemy, was hung on a cross, okay? These, these were people that took their jobs pretty seriously. They weren't messing around. And they were questioning Stephen and his following of Jesus. And what we see is Stephen standing before them. And it is depicted in the Bible, categorically stated, that Stephen being a regular, everyday person. There was nothing special about him. However, he was someone who was full of God's Spirit. And from a place of being full of God's Spirit, stood before this legal religious council with courage. And he professed the saving grace of God through Jesus Christ. That Jesus was who he says he was, that he was Messiah, that he was Savior. And he was so bold in his declaration that he created such outrage with this religious legal council that they ended up murdering him in the streets. And they murdered him by stoning 
not by a lethal injection or an electric chair or a, you know, a quick beheading. Or, I mean, you just think about a death that comes by being stoned. People throwing rocks at you until you die. Okay? And what then began from that moment is incredible. And that's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 8. This is what it says. That set off terrific persecution of the church in Jerusalem. The believers were all scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. All that, except for the apostles, good and brave men buried Stephen. They gave him a solemn funeral, not many dry eyes that day. And Saul, who was a key figure, not only in the book of Acts, but in our Bibles, who later becomes a person called Paul, who then scribes two-thirds of the New Testament and sets about seeing the kingdom of God advanced rapidly. Saul, who was a persecutor of Christians, he now finds himself in an interesting scenario, but this is about the believers of God stepping into what ultimately was their purpose. It says that Saul devastated the church, that he entered house after house after house, dragging men and women off to jail, and he forced them to leave home base. The followers of Jesus all became missionaries. Wherever they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. Wherever they were scattered, they preached the message of Jesus. So this going back to normal for us, what, is, what does this look like? Have you considered even this desire within us for something that is just secure, just comfortable, something that is safe? Are we looking to go back to the right things? See, we have a scenario here in the book of Acts Acts chapter 8, where really it is the beginning of the advancement of the message that is Jesus into the known world. And it all began out of a time of significant challenge. Just think about that for a second, okay? Like, it wasn't that um, this message was so well received that the believers of the time were just kind of handed a silver platter and the red carpet was rolled out for them and they were given free access and favor by the powers that be to live in such a way that they could proliferate this message that would be known as the salvation of humanity through Jesus. It was possibly the worst time for them as believers. Because it says that the church from that time of it being a breaking point, and isn't it interesting, even in the time in which we live over the last 12 months, how there have been certain one-off instances that have created this chain reaction. And so it kind of happens similarly with this situation here. Peter, he offers up his life by way of sacrifice. He is martyred. And then a chain reaction occurs. One the believers of the time became persecuted, but at the same time, the message of salvation went out into the known world. Now, these believers who were being persecuted, remember who they 
are or who they were. They were Jewish people of the time. Now remember this, Jewish people of the time living in Jerusalem were currently under occupation by the Roman Empire. So they were being persecuted, collectively speaking, by the Roman Empire, not an empire that, again, was overly favorable towards anybody's religious views and their customs. So they were being persecuted for being Jewish. Now they were being persecuted by the Jews for being followers of Jesus. And from that place of significant trial, of significant challenge, when it all seemed as if their world was coming to an end, when everything they knew, everything that was secured to them was now being disrupted, where everything of what they believed, everything of what they held true was being challenged, it was in that time that they go forcefully but yet still see their lives having an impact that we enjoy today. And it speaks of a life that goes beyond yourself. It speaks of a life that lives in such a way that we are mindful that this time on earth is short. And that we are alive for a reason. And that there is purpose upon you. That God, out of all of time, chose you to be in this time. Now again, think about that. I mentioned earlier that we would find ourselves alive in a once in a history moment. Once in a history generation. I wonder if any of us had been given a pick of a time to be alive, that we would choose this exact time to be alive. And so then we think to ourselves like, oh, woe is us. How is it that we find ourselves in existence in this time? But perhaps God, who is the author of time, that God in his sovereignty, God who creates all of existence, who knew that this time was going to occur, perhaps he had you in mind when this time was taking place. And so he has positioned you for such a time as this, that even though there is uncertainty, even though there is challenge, even though there is all this kind of stuff going on within us and strife and difficulties, that you are alive for this time, that your life would make a difference beyond yourself. Because that's what normal looks like in the book of Acts. That these everyday, regular, mostly unschooled, seemingly uneducated, not the elite, were used by God to outwork a purpose that was of significance. You see, there is a, a, a mission upon us as those that would profess faith in Jesus. There is purpose. This amazing dynamic that we have with God is that, yes, through Jesus, we are invited into an intimate real relationship with God. That, that the God who is God Almighty, who essentially spoke creation into existence, this God who is so significant he can't be boxed, this God who is so amazing we can't fully comprehend, this God is the God who desires to walk in such a way with you that you would have intimacy of relationship. That you would know him and be known by him. 
So we have this beautiful dynamic available to us that we could walk in intimacy with God here and now, but also because of that intimacy by simply believing in and following Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, that we would have eternity secured for us. That there is a time to come after this time and by way of Jesus, Him being the way, we enter into an eternal time. But you see, it's so much more than just about us. That there is a mission upon our lives. There is a calling. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus speaks to those who follow him. And we might know it as the Great Commission. And what he essentially says to them is to go into all of the world. You see, Acts chapter 8 that we began really speaks of that going. And there is a going call upon our lives. But now hear this, okay? When we hear the word go, we are so destination-minded. So if I say today, because the South Coast is the best coast, I am going to go to Scottborough, we all have Scottborough in mind, right? Right? Because that's the way we tend to live our lives. We, we live destination-oriented. Now, that's not a bad thing because that gives you bearings on the journey. It wouldn't make any sense that if I just said, okay, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to kind of hope that I end up in the right place. Now, I'm going to Scottborough. But the thing that we miss out on so often is we miss out on the journey to Scottborough. And it's a beautiful one. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to convince you soon enough, you know. <laughs> See, because that word go that Jesus was speaking to them, yes, it, it was a go. In other words, there is something about your life. There is to be movement and there is to be purpose and there is to be steps taken. But it wasn't so much about the destination as it was the journey. Because that can also be translated or interpreted not as just go and take this message into the world. In other words, only when you arrive will you carry this message. That word could also be translated or interpreted as as you go, make disciples of Jesus. See, because all of us, there is an as you go about our lives. And I feel like that's the thing we often miss. That's one of the things that definitely wasn't a good thing about what was in what was normal. As you go. Because it's amazing. Jesus says go, but then we would find in Acts chapter 1, he tells them, before you go, I want you to wait. So it's like, okay, what is it? Are we to go? Or are we to wait? What, what, what are we doing here? Like, is, is, is God schizophrenic? I mean, what's happening here? Well, no, what Jesus is ensuring is that there is a going from the right place. Now, that waiting in Acts chapter 1 is not a passive wait. Like, we're waiting in the restaurant for our food. Like, nothing is happening, so this is frustrating. The thing with God is that there is always something happening. We might not just be seeing it, but it is happening because God is at work and he is at work 
all of the time. And so he says to us to go, Acts chapter eight, this new normal where God is at work, where they now find new rhythms to their life, where they see the proliferation of the salvation message that is Jesus. And they find themselves even under persecution, living in such a way that this now has a legacy beyond themselves. He says, go, but live out this message as you go, but do it from a place of waiting. And that waiting, if you look at what the language actually should, suggests, it's not passive, it's active, but it speaks more about an expectancy. It speaks more about a posture of life that has a sense of hope about it. And I don't know how hopeful you are today. You might be facing significant challenges. You might be facing obstacles in your business, in your health. You might not be knowing what the future holds. And so there is a challenge on your hope. And the problem is, is that we have too much hope in circumstances and not enough hope in the creator of life itself. And his name is Jesus. And so our hope is in Christ. And that is what waiting is about. Waiting is living expectantly. It's about living with a sense of hope. But you know what also it means? It means to be present. That's what that waiting means. We know what that's like, right? That we can be physically in a room as such and not actually be present. We're thinking about our kids and kids' church. We're starting to make plans for lunch because, you know, we're getting a little bit hungry. This guy's been rambling on for like 25 minutes. And so when's that going to end? Uh, he keeps talking about the South Coast. Let's stone him when we get outside. Um, that is, I would suggest, in our technologically astute world, the ability to be present. And that is what God is calling us to. To be present with Him. That we go from a place of waiting But that place of waiting is expectancy and hope and being present. And we go to a normal that is one where he is at work in our lives. In every aspect. And he desires to be. It might not look how we want it to look. It might not sound like we want it to sound. But he's God, right? And we're not. There is power for us who would believe. And that power comes from the gift that is God's spirit with us. And it is a gift that is promised. And we're heading towards a time, and I'm going to finish with this. We're heading towards a time that is known as Pentecost. Pentecost is a significant time. And we need to appreciate that there are rhythms and there are patterns of God where perhaps in those rhythms and patterns certain things are highlighted and accentuated. And we're coming into a time where 2,000 odd years ago, at that same time, something significant began that could still begin today. That we could still go back to a normal that ultimately is about transformation, reconciliation, and life lived with purpose. He loves you. God of all creation loves you right where you're sitting, with your bad attitude, (laughs) with your mistakes, with your failures, 
He loves you. And he's calling you. He's calling you into intimacy and purpose and mission. And may that be our normal. Can we pray? And I'll finish. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace, for your unearned, undeserved favor. That grace that is the power unto our salvation, that we would be reconciled and restored into intimacy and friendship and relationship and fellowship with you. Like, who are we that you would make that available to us? And yet you do because you love us. And so, Father, we choose in this moment right now to once again look to Jesus in all things. That we have the opportunity before us through the empowering of your Spirit to live out a life that is one where there would be an echo where there would be the message of Jesus being communicated through our lives. And I pray for every person here and households and families. I call for your blessing and I call for your favor. I call ultimately that we would know you in a more personal way and that we would make you known in a more personal way. So bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for, thank you, thank you so much. Um, thanks so much for being in church this morning. I am being told by the best barista in all of um, Amplali um, <laughs> that there is coffee outside, so please hang around, grab a cup of coffee. If you want somebody to be praying with you, I believe some of the team will kind of linger around if you had anybody would like somebody to stand with you in prayer, but have an awesome Sunday, and how good is the South Coast? <laughs>